Great. Okay. So welcome, welcome everybody. Uh, this is our actually this is actually our second uh, video in this series in which we answer your questions. Um, so you can leave your questions in the form that's in the description of this video. And uh, in this uh, in this series, we're actually answering your cybersecurity related questions. Uh, this is the second video, like I said, you can watch the previous video to get a bit of a context. In that first video, we also give like a more detailed background of who you are and what we do. But for starters, um, uh, I'm Chris and uh, I'm with Alexis. So we both have YouTube channels um, and we, we both, both of us work in cybersecurity. So uh, I myself for the moment, um, I work as a penetration tester, and also um, I do some bug bounty hunting. I've just started recently. I'm getting into bug bounty hunting. So these are actually my active interests in cybersecurity. And I'm actually gonna let Alexis uh, give a few uh, words about himself as well. Uh, yeah, thank you for the introduction. Um, so as, um, as Chris said, uh, I run a YouTube channel and I currently work as a network penetration tester. Um, the current area that I've been focusing on, as I said in the previous video, was working with the Linux kernel uh, and some Linux systems programming as well. And uh, sort of working around um, just how the kernel works, uh, lo looking at the various libraries and modules that exist there, and also starting to, uh, to take an active uh, interest in kernel hardening. So, yeah, that's pretty much all I've been looking at uh, over the last few months. And yeah. Uh, I'll pass it on to you. Solid stuff, solid stuff. Like I told you offline, um, I actually want to get into reverse engineering at some point because this is really interesting. Yeah. I love the field, but uh, as for now, now I want to get like more, I want to get more hands-on expertise in both the web app penetration testing and in, um, in uh, bug bounty hunting. And when I reach a comfortable level there, I'm also going to start getting into uh, reverse engineering and maybe another topic or subtopic in cybersecurity. Okay, so with that said, uh, a lot of you guys have actually uh, posted a lot of questions. So thank you for that. Uh, and uh, to post questions for future videos uh, that we're going to select. Once again, don't forget uh, to look in the description of this video so you'll have a link to the form, to the Google form, where you can leave your questions. And uh, we'll probably get to them in the, in the next uh, videos in this series. So the first question, uh, and I'm actually gonna read it literally, so exactly as the person wrote it yeah it might not make uh, sense but we'll try to make some sense out of it so the first question says as someone who is questioning if they like cybersecurity versus other computer science uh, interests what tips would you recommend for someone majoring in cybersecurity or pointers in general for u.s university students thanks Okay, so the first part of the question, um, as someone who is questioning, uh, so I'm going to give you my, I'm going to give you my twist, and then Alexis is going to, it's going to answer uh, with his perspective on this. So the first part of the question says, as someone who is questioning if they like cybersecurity versus other computer science interests, 
Well, uh, for starters, uh, I would say that there's nobody or no one better or more entitled than you who knows what exactly you like in cybersecurity. So I wouldn't be able to tell you what you like in cybersecurity or other computer science uh, like subfields. So this is a question that you have to answer yourself. I mean, first off, do you like cybersecurity? If you do like cybersecurity more than other uh, subfields of computer science, okay, then we can look into the second part of this question. So if you like cybersecurity or if you're interested in cybersecurity, then, um, and here's the second part of the question, what tips would you recommend for someone majoring in cybersecurity or pointers in general for US students? So starting from the premise that you like cybersecurity versus other uh, computer science fields, uh, I would say that uh, to get more or to, to get better or to get specialized uh, in cybersecurity, first off, you would actually have to uh, select. So since cybersecurity is a very large field and it becomes larger every day, you would actually have to select a subtopic of cybersecurity. Like, for example, if you like more uh, the part of defending stuff, you would go for red team, like um, maybe a security architect, DevSecOps. Uh, I mean, I was talking about not red team, but blue team. So if you like to defend stuff, you, you would go for blue team stuff. And if you would like to, uh, I don't know, uh, attack, if you, if you enjoy like breaking things, you would go for red team stuff like a penetration tester or a bug bounty hunter, or a network penetration tester, or a mobile app penetration tester. So each of these are becoming uh, solid subfields in cybersecurity as, uh, as the days pass. So once you know what exactly you wanna specialize yourself in with cyber, within cybersecurity, so let's say, for example, you wanna get into mobile app penetration testing, or mobile penetration testing, in that case, um, uh, I would actually first look into what my curriculum in my degree, in my cybersecurity degree, offers me in terms of that uh, specialization. If, uh, if my uh, university offers like uh, mobile uh, penetration testing or cybersecurity courses that are related to mobile. If they don't, I would actually look for that myself. I mean, there's there are tons of resources online that you can learn from. I would actually pick one or two courses and then uh, alongside I would take a book to learn mobile penetration testing. And most importantly uh, for that, I would actually look for a platform uh, that has scenarios like real life scenarios with, uh, with um, uh, mobile penetration testing. I think I'm not 100% sure. I think that Hack the Box has some scenarios when it comes to Android uh, and iOS uh, penetration testing. And um, I'm more certain that Attack Defense Labs have uh, scenarios for mobile penetration testing. So yeah, that, that's how you, you would actually approach this specialization from multiple perspectives. Uh, yeah, I guess that's, I guess that's my, my take on it. Um, yeah, that, that's, I feel that this question is getting asked more and more, um, you know, seeing many students, um, uh, you know, either doing a, a computer science degree 
or a cybersecurity degree, which are relatively new. Um, so answering the first part, um, again, uh, that is in regards to someone, um, uh, if someone who is interested in cybersecurity uh, versus, you know, other computer uh, science interests. I think uh, to, to, to some extent, um, various aspects of computer science, like, uh, you know, programming uh, or development, can also tie into to some extent uh, into cybersecurity. And when I talk about this, I'm talking about the field of secure coding and stuff like this. So it's very easy to see uh, to see students, you know, picking up the interest from these various uh, subtopics uh, in computer science. But you know, getting uh, to to actually answering the first part of the question um, is, of course, just getting your hands dirty with uh, with all of these uh, various um, sub uh, subtopics or subcategories of cybersecurity because cybersecurity in general is a very wide topic and you really need to narrow it down uh, and in accordance to your skills and what you enjoy um, so again uh, finding and finding something that interests you and something that you're good at just as a starting point and then you can work on from there so if you don't necessarily uh, like it or enjoy it you can then try something out uh, you can saw something else out uh, so again, as I've just given you a simple example, I find most developers find it very easy uh, or very intuitive to go from developing uh, programs or software and then to move into secure coding and then reverse engineering. So again, uh, you can find these various connections, uh, you know, very uh, closely tied to, uh, to computer science. So again, uh, I would recommend just taking a look at cybersecurity. Uh, in, in general as a whole and then taking a look at the subcategories uh, or the specializations uh, that currently exist. So whether that be uh, may, may be malware analysis, secure coding, uh, penetration testing, web application security, auditing, stuff like that. Uh, once you've picked one of these specializations that you might be interested and uh, you might be interested in and that ties into your particular or specific skill set, I would then, uh, you know, recommend learning the basics or the foundations in regards to that field. And then, you know, sort of getting a, a taste of, of how it works, uh, how everything comes together, uh, and also taking a look at, uh, you know, mentors or people who are at the highest level. Sort of taking a look at how that works at that level. And then if you still feel that this is, this is for you, uh, you can then move on to, uh, to actually practicing and improving your skills now. Uh, and then with, with that, you know, uh, for example, if you're uh, performing penetration testing, you can take a look at CTFs uh, or vulnerable machines, vulnerable boxes, uh, vulnerable web applications, whatever you're into, uh, practicing and improving your skills. And then again, it's all about just building your skill set from there. And uh, you can then move on to, you know, also contributing to open source projects, uh, getting engaged with the community and, uh, you know, so on and so forth. And then if you finally end up uh, making a career in it or wanting to pursue it as a career, you can take a look at the various certifications uh, or the various um, the various uh, accredit, uh, accredited um, uh, programs that you can actually enroll in that will give you, uh, you know, or actually give you a foot in, in the door of the industry and is, so you can actually pursue a job. So that's pretty much what I think in regards to that question. Yeah, so uh, really on point. And I would have, I would actually have to reiterate what you said, and I, I would not be able to stress this enough. Um, it's, it's going to help you a lot accelerate your uh, journey into the field when you start following people that are, uh, that are experts 
or mentors, people that you might consider that could be your virtual mentors mm -hmm. in that uh, specialization. Like for example, you can follow their Twitter, their Twitter streams, you can follow them. You can even follow them on LinkedIn to actually see what they're actually posting about there or their circle of people. Yeah. You could actually interact with people from their networks on LinkedIn. And uh, I, I think that uh, actually trying to get some sort of human connection within the field, that's, that's going to be a plus yeah. for you to actually accelerate your way into, into the specialization. Mm -hmm. Okay. So moving on to the second question, uh, which is kind of short, it's, it's like compared to this one that was long and might, might have been a little bit like um, hard to uh, decipher. Yeah. This one is actually short and it says CISSP or CEH for late careers. And uh, I mean, my answer here would be... Um, OSCP, yeah. yeah. So, um, to be honest, I, I mean, I'm biased when it comes to uh, certifications because uh, I only have the OSCP, which I took this year. So, I'm biased towards the OSCP, but there are other good alternatives. Now, when it comes to CISSP or CEH, I don't actually know much about either of them. Uh, I think... And I might be wrong that uh, CISSP might have to be renewed at some uh, uh, interval, I guess. I don't know. I, I may be wrong about this. But what I do, like, I'm more certain about is that both of them are more towards, like, compared to the OSCP, more towards theoretical, I would say, especially when it comes to the exams. I don't know if, from what I know, uh, both of them are multiple choice questions in terms of the exam but it might not make sense so if so if for example you just want to have a certification and you don't actually want to like develop skill i would say develop practical skill you can choose either of them um, and i think that ceh uh, is a really good hr filter so meaning that HR recruiters are actually looking for uh, the CEH when they actually look for candidates for certain positions in cybersecurity. So uh, CEH might get you a job, but I wouldn't say that uh, it actually uh, reflects the level of skill you have compared to, for example, the OSCP or other certifications which are like more expensive, like those from um, SANS or mm -hmm. uh, I don't even know what's the other one uh, that's like also super expensive on the same side with SANS. Uh, it's, I think it's the GW or GPAN. Do you yeah, know GPAN? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's also expensive. So when it comes to these, I'm not sure how expensive is CISSP or CEH, but um, I don't know. I wouldn't think or I would be inclined to think that they don't reflect uh, the level of knowledge or expertise yeah. someone, what someone might get compared to uh, the level of knowledge or practice or skill someone might get if they, if they uh, follow or uh, pursue a more 
like practical certification. But then again, if your purpose is not to get skillful, but just to get a certification, go for any, go for either of them, weigh the benefits and the disadvantages of each and uh, make your decision. If I were to recommend a certification, I would go for the OSCP or um, the, uh, the certifications from eLearn Security start becoming more and more popular and they are kind of on the same level in terms of pricing with uh, the OSCP. And from what some people say, uh, the certifications from eLearn Security are actually more up-to-date than yeah. the OSCP. So I would also uh, think of, and I will probably look into those uh, into those myself at some point in time because the OSCP kind of like fried my my brain. So uh, I'm just I'm just gonna take a break for a couple of months and then look into. But to answer uh, your question, either one of them, just if you're if you're into just a certification, if you wanna get some solid skill go for OSCP or something from eLearn Security. Yeah. Um, yeah, so this question is, uh, is a very uh, rare question to get because um, I, I'm, I'm aware of these certifications and their use uh, in the industry. Um, CH is more of a, a beginner certification. Uh, it's essentially set up to, uh, to actually prove that you are, you actually are familiar with the cybersecurity from for the cybersecurity fundamentals, uh, so that's primarily what CH is for. Um, when talking about CISSP, it's like a completely different certification because to actually obtain it, you need to have two years of working experience in the industry. Oh, um, so, so, so these two certifications are what I would call general cybersecurity certifications in the sense that they're not really focused on one particular area in cybersecurity. As uh, you just mentioned with the OSCP, that's more tailored towards penetration testers. Um, with CISSP, um, as far as I know, which is a certification that I'll be looking to get probably in the next one or two years, uh, is a certificate that is, uh, is really, really uh, useful at the higher levels of, of IT and cybersecurity. So not really working at the low levels where you're actually implementing security policies, performing pen tests. It's mostly for the high level uh, positions where you're actually implementing um, or you're setting up the uh, organization-wide cybersecurity policies. So again, uh, just to, to, to actually clarify, CH is something that you take at the beginning of your career if you do end up taking it at all. I don't personally think it's worth it. Um, you, know, you know, the price and... Uh, the price you pay for it and what you get out of it, it's mostly just an HR, um, so sort of like a, uh, I would like to call it a, a, um, an artifact of what used to be uh, the HR's go-to certification. But now, as uh, the times have changed and we're, uh, we have the, uh, the arrival of new certifications in the field, like as you mentioned, eLearn Security, OSCP, GPEN, these are now starting to become uh, the standards. And also the uh, CompTIA Pentest uh, Pentest Plus, I believe that's the new uh, certification from them. These are starting to become the standard. So, CH is something that just proves that you're uh, you're familiar with the fundamentals of cybersecurity at a very high level. It doesn't touch on pen testing at all. Uh, CISSP is used to prove that you can manage cybersecurity in an organization, and uh, you'll usually find it. Uh, it's it's a certification that you'll find with uh, many senior level individuals in companies. Uh, not really to do with the nitty-gritty of actual pen testing, you know, uh, implementing these things, um, 
It's uh, to do with actually uh, organizing and setting up a cybersecurity policy for a company or an organization. So I would say, uh, uh, as you said in your question, uh, there is a mention of a late in your career, but you haven't Definitely, actually... Yeah. Uh, you haven't actually mentioned the um, uh, what certifications you already have. So if you are starting off, I would recommend skipping the CH and going for the OSCP, as Chris said here. Uh, and then CISSP is something you can take on uh, you know, late in your career when you actually require it and you are moving up the ladder into more of a corporate uh, role or position. Okay, so for, so for late, like... As you've said, just to reiterate, uh, if, the, if the, the person who asked the question is actually uh, just in it for something like less technical, mm -hmm. from what I can see, uh, they should go for the CISSP. Yeah, it, it's more in tune with a security analyst position. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Right. So let's, uh, let's then move to the third question. Yeah. Okay. So it says... Uh, I play CTF challenges from HTB, Hackedbox, and Volnhub. Um, I wanted to ask uh, that how much real-life-like scenarios are featured in such CTFs. Also, do these CTF challenges help in bug bounties? Can we expect similar vulnerabilities during bug hunting? Okay, so... This actually struck a really strong chord with uh, with me because I recently did a video of uh, or on yeah. why I do not play CTFs mm -hmm. and actually what I do instead. So I would actually recommend, uh, I'm actually going to link to the video in the description of yeah. this video, but to just uh, kind of get onto the same uh, like thread in that video, I really think that CTFs, I mean, a large majority of CTFs are freaking unrealistic. So uh, I didn't play much CTF uh, up until now, but now I, I, I've actually had the only uh, CTF-like uh, scenarios have been on HTB and uh, Volnhub, some of them, which I don't know. Some of them might be a little bit realistic, but a lot of them are still unrealistic. But like the CTS that you're actually playing uh, in competitions, like at on ctftime.org, uh, I mean, those kind of scenarios, it's, it's less likely to encounter them in real life. Yeah. Uh, and I'm gonna repeat the same thing. I mean, if you as a penetration tester have to do an assessment for someone how many times do you actually think that you would have to find hidden text in freaking images like steganography and shit like that i mean it's i don't know it kind of pisses me off so uh i don't think and yeah this is my this is my current bias i might i don't know maybe change my opinion in the future but i don't think so so uh, I think they are unrealistic and on that same uh, premise or on that same train of thought, I don't think that they can actually help you uh, a lot in bug bounties because CTF is one thing and bug bounty is real life stuff. Now again, if we talk about platforms like Hack the Box and Attack Defense, they have a lot of 
real life sort of like scenarios. Hack the box can be CTF-ish with some like older boxes, but I think they have some, uh, some labs that are newer, which uh, kind of resemble real life stuff. And of mm -hmm. course on attack defense, which I've like uh, spent more time on, uh, I would say that they have like really good, uh, really good real lifelike scenarios. So um, what else do you ask? Do these CTF challenges help in bug bounties? I would say they don't. And a lot of you are gonna like jump to my jugular here, but uh, it's my stance. I don't think they do help in bug bounties. If so, uh, can we expect similar vulnerabilities during bug hunting? I wouldn't think so. Okay, so that actually answers my quite that actually answers your question. So to elaborate a little bit and to actually give you some takeaway, I would say that if you really want to get into bug hunting and you want real life stuff, you should go on uh crowd and on HackerOne and read the disclosure reports. So read the reports that were actually like written by bug hunters on how they actually discovered vulnerabilities and how those vulnerabilities could be exploited because those are real world examples. So we're not playing scenarios, those are like real world examples. So that's, that's probably one of the best ways to, to actually get a good grip of what uh, bug hunting is by actually reading what people have reported in terms of the bugs they found on different like bounty programs. Yeah, so that's actually my take on it. Um, yeah, so I think you, you actually covered the majority of what I wanted to say. I, I think the, the, the main thing to understand is uh, many of the students who are getting into it right now or beginners, uh, getting into you know pen testing, uh, there's this whole uh, you know fixation on CTFs as being the primary uh, areas to where you should be focusing your time in regards to to actually you know practicing what you're learning or putting it into into an actual practical uh, area. Um, but the thing that I think um, many people sort of overlook is the reason why CTFs were created. Like CTFs were created not to simulate uh, a uh, a real pen test or, or a, a real world pen test uh, as it were they were really just created to first of all act as a competition and secondly uh, they were there to test your efficiency and speed with particular tools now you you also came up uh, you also mentioned something very important there the uh, the mix or the mixture of steganography and cryptography in uh, ctf challenges has also you know, become quite popular now. And many people actually think that this is something very common in pen testing, uh, you know, sort of yeah. reverse engineering or deobfuscating images or deobfuscating de code. It's, it's not something that you'll be coming across. But again, if you understand the difference between a CTF challenge and a real pen test, you know that CTFs are just there to, uh, to of course, improve your efficiency and understanding of how to use the tool and to sort of how, uh, how to utilize this tool in ingenious ways sort of work around mental blocks or work around problems, they really have nothing to do with a, um, you know, a typical methodology that a pen tester follows. Uh, and I know they are quite similar, uh, they are quite similar and many people actually, um, you know, in uh, many people actually um, point that out that you, you, should, you can actually build a good methodology from playing CTFs, you know, sort of working with scanning and fingerprinting 
and then moving on to uh, to analyzing particular services and then exploitation, post-exploitation, etc. So again, I think that uh, CTFs are designed with an endpoint in mind. Uh, so you know, before you actually start, you do know what the endpoint is. Whereas with a pen test, your sort of your job is to find as many vulnerabilities as possible. Uh, and uh, so the, the, the only endpoint is that you know you have actually uh, you have been able to test every aspect of the particular system on it uh, or network. So uh, coming to the question of bug bounties, as you said, uh, it's a very very different uh, it's a very different monster you're dealing with here, in the sense that um, it's very difficult to actually replicate these vulnerabilities in a CTF. And, uh, you know, again, you can use CTFs to learn various web app uh, pen testing techniques like local file inclusion, SQL injection. But uh, in the real world, uh, most of these web apps really don't suffer from these common misconfiguration vulnerabilities. They might, but it's, it's going to be very uncommon. So, again, the only way to, to get experience with bug bounty hunting is to actually take a look at the various uh, submitted reports, uh, take a look at what disclosures look like uh, for various vulnerabilities find what is more um, intuitive to you, and then you know, start off at a very basic level, understanding the uh, fundamentals of how the web works, and you know, moving on from there. So again, CTFs are designed to be something completely different. They're more of a competition. Uh, so again, when talking about a competition, the two factors are gonna be time, and of course, who gets to the end faster. So um, your efficiency and the time taken to actually uh, get to the end goal. So testing is very different okay yeah so solid advice on point uh, let's actually move quick quickly to another question and try to get it like uh, uh, done uh, because mm -hmm. we don't actually want to have these videos very long yeah. due to the like shorter attention uh, spans of people these days I mean we could go for hours and Answering just a single question, but we we want to keep it like shorter up into like the thirty minute mark. Yeah. So uh, our application pen testing tools can be used for single page application. Okay. So in short, I mean, whatever tool works for a uh, multi page application also works for a single page application, right? I mean, there's, I mean, you don't actually have to be specific um, in this regard. So I wouldn't say that there are other pen testing tools that would work for single versus multiple page application tools. But anyway, so uh, if you wanna like uh, see if there are other uh, ports than the web ports open on the, on the, um, on the host, you would actually use uh, Nmap or Mascan, for example. But pen testers, I mean web app pen testers, in a lot of situations don't use Nmap uh, yet. They mostly focus specifically on the web application itself, not on the network side of it. But that might be a problem because it often happens that uh, you do have a lot of issues on the network that you would discover if you would also focus on the network, not only on the uh, web application itself. But anyway, uh, to get into the question. So 
you would you would you would look at the source code for example you would use burp which is really really important to actually check all the inputs and try to uh, see how the application reacts to unexpected input how much error it throws and what those errors reveal about uh, what kind of sensitive information is revealed through those errors if we're talking about a web application you would of course be able to brute force for web directories not only for directories but for files as well so you would use tools such as dir search uh, and uh, gobuster and derb and derbuster of course uh, you would look for not only for directories but also for file extensions such as js files and it's it's really interesting how you can discover js files uh, not by brute forcing them, but by actually trying to map the application manually. This is something that I've actually discovered myself while doing bug hunting recently. So not only JS files, but log files, text files, configuration files. Um, you would also, in terms of tools, you would look for uh, what the application is built on. So for that, you could use uh, what CMS or Webalizer. Um, if, for example, the application is uh, or holds information and requires logins, you would actually see how the session is handled. You will look for broken access controls. You would also be looking for indirect uh, object references and to get a, uh, like a list of things uh, that you could test for always. I mean, there, there's a good rule of thumb that you should check with the WASP top 10 and start from there. So there, there are practically tons of stuff and tons of tools that uh, you can take and actually test uh, your uh, application, your single page application for. And there are methodologies out there. So of course, we you can start with the penetration testing methodology, which is sort of like official documentation, but you could also look into like uh, a bug hunting methodology, which a lot of people have their own versions of that. So yeah, I mean, go from here and, uh, I guess that's that's my take on it. Uh, yeah, uh, that that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, uh, I I think this question sort of lacks a bit of context in regards to what they mean when they talk about a single uh, single page application. Um, my interpretation is that you're dealing with um, sort of like a new uh, a new web application that was built from scratch, as opposed to you know uh, working with a content management system. Um, or any of the other frameworks that uh, that are being used. So again, if if you are running a black box test, and um, the first thing you need to do is to analyze what languages and frameworks the page is uh, is built with, and then of course that gives you an idea as to what vulnerabilities currently exist within uh, those particular frameworks. So if, you know if you're working with PHP, do any vulnerabilities exist there? If you're working with Node, etc., uh, etc., et and of course you can you can uh, you can do this by uh, you know with, by making use of the various uh, browser extensions that you just mentioned, like using Webalizer or Built With, just to get a basic idea of what you're dealing with uh, beforehand. Uh, you can then take a look at the at using Burp Suite and sort of understanding how the web application works. Uh, so again, whether that uh, that may be with cookies, uh, your take a look at uh, sessions and you know csrf all, all of that stuff uh all, all of that stuff to do with authentication managing sessions um and how sessions are managed that's if you if the web application does have 
uh, you know, the ability for users to log in and it does store some user information. Uh, then I would say moving on to fuzzing the application, the web application, sorry. So again, throwing, um, throwing data uh, onto the web application and seeing how, how it reacts or responds to that. Uh, just seeing the various parameters you can play around with and then uh, of course monitoring the output and then uh, directory brute forcing which again you can use GoBuster or DareBuster uh, whatever suits you and uh, that may help you find you know certain directories that may have been hidden or common misconfigurations with uh, you know with web servers if they are if, if, the, if they do exist um, and uh, yeah I think that's from my end that's pretty much what I would recommend if you're dealing with a relatively simple web application as opposed to one that's quite complex but I think uh, you know fuzzing and using uh, tools like burp suite are extremely vital in, in, in with these type of uh, web applications so yeah I guess we could uh, kind of elaborate on uh each of these points and it would actually take hours maybe we maybe we could get more specific into like phases of uh, pen testing a web application in future videos and span yeah. like i don't know maybe an entire video on what you're actually doing in the recon phase mm -hmm. which not only applies to regular pen testing but it's like a whole interesting area in of itself when it comes to bug hunting okay so um I think we might have crossed a little bit our uh, time uh, time limit here, so uh, we're not gonna we're just uh, we're just gonna end it here. So you guys keep asking your questions using the link uh, below to the Google form, and we're uh, actually try to get to as many of them as possible in future videos. So of course um, you can can find the links to all of our uh, social media feeds or social media uh, like sites you can find us on Twitter YouTube discord and all all that stuff uh, and there's uh, there's links uh, there's links to everything in the description of this video so I guess that with that being said um, Alexis thank you very much for your time and uh, guys will actually uh, we'll see you in the next one Right. Uh, thank you guys for watching. Uh, thanks to Chris for being here and uh, spending his time answering these questions. And uh, yeah, we'll be seeing you in the next episode.